Simply Stogies is a passion project that is fan-funded. If you enjoy the content Simply Stogies brings to you and would like to see more and different kinds of content, a website, more on-location podcasts with blenders, manufacturers, or retailers, or video reviews, please consider supporting Simply Stogies on Patreon at patreon.com slash simplystogies. Supporting Simply Stogies can get you a ton of perks, including instant access to bonus material, access to Simply Stogies Discord, including a Patreon-only channel, shoutouts on the show and social media, a monthly virtual herf with myself and other supporters, the ability to suggest cigar reviews, cool swag, or the opportunity to do a cigar review on Simply Stogies Podcast. Thank you for your consideration and your generosity. Now, on to Simply Stogies. You're listening to Simply Stogies, a monthly podcast dedicated to the cigar enthusiast. Light up a stogie, sit back and relax while James brings you along on his journey as a new cigar smoker. Simply Stogies will review cigars, discuss topics that cigar aficionados find important, and will probably learn a few things along the way. Now, here's your host of Simply Stogies, James. Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. This is a special episode of Simply Stogies as I sit down for an interview with Jeremy Castagli of Castagli Cigars. I sat down with Jeremy at the Clayton in Chicago, Illinois, and talked to him live there in the lounge. If you're in Chicago or you're going to be in the Chicago area, head to 212 North Canal Street and tell him James from Simply Stogies sent you. Israel and Nick, the two guys who worked there, fantastic, made me feel very welcome, remembered my name. I hadn't been there since May. Nick, Israel, thank you so much for allowing me to record there, allowing me to spend some time uh, with Jeremy Castagli and, and, and get to know you two a little bit better as well. Before we get to the interview with Jeremy Castagli, I'd like to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Chris Hansen. Chris, thank you so much for throwing your support behind Simply Stogies. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash Simply Stogies and take a look at all of the Patreon rewards. That's patreon.com forward slash Simply Stogies. Now, here's the interview with Jeremy Castagli. Today, uh, it is a treat uh, to bring to you the listener, Jeremy Castagli of Castagli Cigars. Jeremy, thank you so much for sitting down with me, taking the time out of your busy day. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure. No, this is this is fantastic. So I told Jeremy just before uh, I hit the record button that uh, I'm trying not to fanboy because, uh, like, <laughs> if you listen to this show, you know that that Castagli is my favorite brand. You guys put out some fantastic cigars. Spilato, in my opinion, is the best cigar on the market today. 
Wow. Thank you very much. Yes. So. It's the same. We're thanking you. Know, there's a few people to thank for that, not just me. <laughs> Trust me. So this is this is fantastic. I, I, I know that you have a lot to do. So I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I'm going to do my best to, yeah. to, to get these. So this, this podcast is all about, like I was telling you earlier, it's my journey. But I want to know about your journey. Jeremy, how did this all start? Because I know, right. like, it's very family oriented. Like, there's a lot of history, which you can go to uh, bespokecigar.com and also castagnicigars.com. It actually will feed into each It'll, other now. Yeah. So, so go to either one of those. Yeah. I'll put both links uh, on the website yeah. uh, in the show notes. But it, there's like your whole family history is there almost. Sure. Yeah. You can go to the sort of heritage button, press that. Um, I mean, that's all sort of like Castagli family stuff. But uh, my personal start with it all was, um, oh my God, it's been 1996. I was a scuba diving bum in uh, uh, Jamaica, actually. I was going over there, and my French girlfriend at the time wanted to go to Cuba. And uh, it's a very long story short. I found myself actually bringing Havanos goods um, from Cuba to Jamaica, to the, um, uh, what's it, the Morgan Harbor Hotel in Port Royal. I have some English divers there as well, and they said, get us some cigars over. And I kind of fell into it by accident. And, and, and strangely enough, you know, my family's famous for a few things. One of them is divorce cases. So actually, <laughs> I was spending most of my life with my mother's side of the family and with my mother. And it was only after I started bringing his cigars from Cuba to the United Kingdom with the president of Havana signing all my cargoes off, a chap called Oscar Basulto, who's no longer around, bless him. Um, that my father then said, Jeremy, what the hell are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing the cigars, you know, uh, enjoying myself, Dad. Found something I'm going to really stick to this time. Right. And um, he said, uh, do you know the history of your father? No, your, your <coughs> sorry, the history of your great uncle Emmanuel. And I said, well, not really, Dad. I know one or two. I met him briefly when I was like, how old was I? 12, uh, Uncle Emmanuel. And he said, he said, well, you know, look at the family book, slaps it down in front of me, read up about the cigar history, cotton industry, what have you, and especially our particular um, 1951 journey as a family with Cuba. And that's kind of why I was getting support from Oscar Basulto and the Cubans in those days to allow myself to deal with uh, Habanos and also allow me to set up my first little brand known as Perspective Cigars. So that was back in 1996, 97. Do you remember the very first cigar you smoked? Oh, indeed. My boarding school. Uh, back I do it these days. So I was 13, Christmas party. and uh, in, Wait, 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 wait. You were 13? 13, yes, because you know, I went to a privileged school. Um, it was called Millfield School. Um, it was founded for Arab princes and Indian princes and the international set. It avoided me going to Harrow. Thank God it was a mixed school. There was girls there as well, girls' houses. But on the Christmas party in our house, a um, place uh, um, called Eatonhurst, um, everyone would have a cigar. doesn't matter. You know, and I was a junior then, so it was my first year. I was just turned 13. So that's when I had my first cigar, and thoroughly sick I was. <laughs> uh, what was the last cigar you had? Do you remember that one? The last one, uh, well, would have been yesterday. Okay. Okay, the last cigar I had. So that would be a Mareva Especial. Because um, I've got a bit of a throat issue right now, so I went for a nice light cigar. Uh, and out of, uh, from our uh, Club Mareva line, um, it was the uh, red, the one with the red ring. Mareva Especial. It's very creamy and easygoing on the throat. So you've come a long way from... 
from where you from where you started to where you're at now. When you started, what, 96? 96, started getting games and started making my first Cubans in, uh, uh, in number in, in Havana, yes. That's probably when I sort of started my journey, yes. What was your vision? Um, well, my first vision was actually doing something I enjoyed. My first vision then, to be perfectly honest, was extending my diving holiday. And I extended for three months. And once I started reading up about the family and... You know, it grew on me that I would like to do something that the family used to stand for, which was luxury goods. Um, and I read this big, vast book about it all um, properly for only, only in 1997. And, you know, uh, family were encouraging me. My father said, you know, if your granddad was alive today, he'd be proud and all of this stuff. And so actually branding it around the family um, only started around about 2008, 2009, to be honest. Prior to that, we were just making all our cigars I was creating. Um, we were, were branded with particular hotel names for the Saudi royal family. There's a great famous tennis player, Andrei Medvedev. He'd have his band with cross tennis rackets on the Ukrainian band flag. Um, and so we were, that's why we got to known as Bespoke. But when, you know, as you speak to me right now, you know, when I started putting the cigars together in a more orderly fashion, because Cuba is never orderly, trust me that. Right. Um, and when I discovered the uh, Kellner Boutique Factory, and prior to him, I was working a little bit with Don Allman and Tobacco de Costa Rica. I suddenly said, hey, Dad, I said to my father, can I uh, use our Colossus of Rhodes to go on? You know, I need something. I need an emblem. And that was our, the Colossus of Rhodes was our trading symbol since 1885. So we found from Madrid, yes, that hasn't been renewed since 1958 and it's still yours and the family. So when I put that first Colossus ring on a cigar, it, it's quite empowering, I suppose. It's not narcissistic so much, but I suddenly realized I wanted to build something around the family again, the old family tradition. And, and that gave me an extra spur. Uh, spur on to what I want to do. I mean, of course, we all need to eat. And I want to try to make the best I can. But certainly, I want to try to build a family reputation again that had disappeared from history, but you could still discover it in bits of Whitepedia. And uh, it gives you an extra impetus, I think, of trying to make something as good as you can. And uh, people tend to be interested. It's a point of pride, right? Oh, totally. And then... Your family history is so rich. We were talking about it before yeah. before we started recording. Uh, and again, CastagliaCigars.com, uh, BespokeCigars.com, uh, you can go there. Yeah. And like, there's a ton of stuff about your family yeah. and how it started and even the Colossus of Rhodes that you just, that you yeah. just touched on. I can see that it's very personal to you. Yes, and you, as, as the it, stories we told and told, and then I add a bit, bit more. And, and, and actually, since we changed from Bespoke to Castaglia, and that's not just in America, but it's across the world. So when I say across the world to Thailand and anything in between. Um, then people have asked me, especially in Sweden, right, big in the Swedish market, Jeremy, can you just talk, come and talk about your family? Because that's where Castagli comes from. So I did more research, went back to that big old family book again. And there's some extraordinary stuff I'm learning all the time. I mean, I love history. So the fact that we touched part of history and very much entangled with America. America is a big part of the story. 
and sometimes against America as a family and sometimes for America as a family. And funnily enough, both the Castaglis and the State Departments, I suppose, got together as an idea in 2012 to try to renovate our old palace, which used to be the American Embassy in World War II. So we didn't have the money to put it together, and Mubarak wanted us to try to get this back. But of course, history tells us what happened to Mubarak and the palace stands, and instead of being rebuilt, it was all re, um, given a fresh lick of paint, it's ended up being attacked and partially burnt. So um, there you go, that's that poor sad area. But that's where the new look comes from, isn't it? Is the wallpaper that was in... Well, to be honest, thanks, that stands my wife, because the Egyptian Times had sent us some pictures about three or four years ago saying... To, to us, and they made them public as well, but they directed us to it. So this is, we've just taken pictures, the, how the, the, the palace still stands proud. And uh, my wife noticed this amazing wallpapering. I mean, I'd been to that place in about 1983, that's the last time. And I said, oh yeah, I recognize that. She said, you bloody idiot, why don't you be using that as your branding? <laughs> and of course she used to work with Saatchi and Saatchi, so she knows what she's talking about. I want to talk about the name change for just a second. Sure. Because um, I think it was a fantastic change. Yeah. And it seems like, and it might just be my perception, but it seems like things have really, like that's gotten a lot of traction. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, and you know, when the name changed, when I was thinking of what to call it after Busbeck sort of like was going and fading into the distance, I'm going to have to mention a few names here. Um, Guy Hancock, we're sitting in the Clayton and Guy Hancock is a great friend of mine and we've been dealing with cigars together um, for about 20 years. And he always said, Castagli, Castagli, Castagli. Why do you call it Castagli? Robert Caldwell said the same. Ristes said the same. But anyone else would have said, it should have always been called Castagli. And I said, I understand that. And which is, now it makes an easy choice because bespoke kind of adopted me and it's now an overused word anyway. So we know the reasons why. And, you know, Alan Rubin, no hard feelings towards him because, you know, as the US Patent Officer granted, to him and yes I had short term cost in changing everything but I'm so much more happy to have Castagli rather than Bespoke on Beneath the Colossus of Rhodes yeah I think so I think that's a fantastic thing I'm a student of history as well I think it's fantastic I look into my family genealogy it's not nearly as interesting oh, as yours you just have bigger <laughs> clubs than the others in the beginning that's right but, but um, certainly when I told my father this in Christmas and I say, Dad, we've got the Castagli now reunited at the Colossus, first time since 1958. And he's sort of very teared up. He's going a bit doolally. I mean, he's gone now, really. Unfortunately, I can, he's there, but not there. But on December, he was still very much coherent. And he started crying and hugged me and says, we're so proud of this situation and of what's, what, what you've done. So, um, yes, so there's no hard feelings to... Um, you know, good old Alec Bradley. Funnily enough, we just had a had a podcast that's coming out with um, the Blossom Smokes, mm-hmm. and some of their fans are saying, "Is it because you were trying to get publicity? Kind of like a new Coke thing?" <laughs> I said, "I wish that would have been a, it's a sixty thousand dollar cost to me and the legal fees alone." <laughs> um, but uh, look, really, it, it's it's a, it's a change. Um, I, and our biggest fear was would people understand how to say the word. Uh, but I think it's quite phonetic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I don't, I don't 
think I have a problem with it. I have a problem with a lot of words. That's not, yeah, that's that's not, not one, one of them. And, and I do emphasize for all of you listening out there, this is not a narcissistic thing. <laughs> it's about the family. It's not about me. It's about what the family stood for and what they did in their history. And, you know, I'm just a spear point for that going forward. That's all. I think, I think that gets lost a lot. Uh, family first was always a thing. And I think that gets lost a lot in modern times. So I think it's, it's great to see it come back. Sure. Thank you. I want to kind of switch gears here. Do you consider Castagli to be boutique brand still? Or do you hate that word? Do you I hate know, that I term? Is it overused? Um, there's a wonderful chap, Riste from Yasam Kral. He always calls himself boutique as fuck. Well, <laughs> Riste, I'm as boutique as fuck fuck because I think you're about three times my production right now. We have two tiny factories who work with. Um, they, uh, you know, Kelner Boutique Factory, which is four of our lines. I think they've got seven to eight, uh, eight torso doors now. Although, as, as Henrik always says to me, but fuck load of tobacco, Jeremy. You've got lots of tobacco. It's just saying we're small. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, we, 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 so our production is tiny. So we are between, and obviously the other one in Costa Rica, IGM, which very few people have heard about. Everyone thinks Costa Rica and they think, um, Vega Santiago or Tobacco de Costa Rica or Brundel Rey. And when you say IGM, you say, what? Nobody's heard of it. Um, and yet, uh, this is our other little factory we work with that produces Daughters of the Wind, of course. Um, so, total production, you want to know? Not more than about 120,000 cigars. That is boutique. And we're trying to double or triple that because we've got 26 countries to service. You knew that was my next question. Is 26 that, countries right now. Your cigars are so good. And they get mentioned in the same breath. I had this conversation with Vlad back in May. I think it was episode seven. Uh, if the listeners want to go back and, and listen to that episode. I, I think I said that you get mentioned in the same breath as Davidoff. You get mentioned in the same breath as, as Cubans. Like, well, that, that's uh, that's in the cigar world. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I'm. You know, if that, if that's the case, and as some people do, and uh, well, that's obviously uh, a wonderful thing. I mean, I look at. Um, I mean, I still love Cuban cigars. You know, when they're done well. Um, Davidoff, Arturo Fuente, Padron. These are the big names that even in Cuba you would look at and say, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. That these are the only ones we've really heard of working in Cuba, and of course then. You know, when we got, I released out of Cuba, when I left that all behind me, I mean, I keep the date I always mix up. It's around 2010, 2011. And um, that's when I started really learning about tobacco. I have to say, you know, I've been in the business for 23 years and learning ever since I walked through the doors of Kellner Petite Factory, and that's 2012, and did the maps. I've really been learning about seven years. That's, that's, that's that. So, um you know, all these marvelous little brands. Cause I mean, I was completely out of America from being with Cuba. I never looked at the American market. And even when I first started creating Kellner Boutique cigars, or, you know, I partnered up with Kellner Jr., um, they were still go off to Saudi Arabia or Belarusia. We were in a monopoly in Belarus. Um, marvelous place, Minsk to smoke. It used to be. I think now some smoking laws are gathering pace there too. Um, but America was just this, completely different world and all the resulting brands which are in there i mean it's incredibly colorful out there you know um so yeah let's talk about the fda like everybody likes to talk about to. that yeah, right yeah, that's true fair enough yeah um are you are you prepared like how are you prepared are you pushing back are you helping push back do you think there needs to be pushback like just what are your I thoughts think most in general? people like everybody else are just carrying on doing business cross the bridge when we come to it we do have some interesting points though um as far as the daughters of the wind concerned 
Um, those cigars, although now being made from Inversions Gonzalez Martinez, IGM, um, we were making some of Vegas Santiago and we were also making some in the Dominican Republic. It was actually my Cuban guys in the 2002, 2003, was it? Um, Jose, um, Suarez Castro, my right hand man in Cuba, was heading up, um, uh, Habanos in Santo Domingo looking after the shop. And he was supplementing his income by making some of the sizes. Um, and he was, he was not with Cuban stuff. He'd obviously as a Cuban to supplement always there's something in their income if they can. He had some Cuban expats in, 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 in Costa Rica, not my same guys that I use now. And he had some guys in Dominican Republic sending in things like the flying pig, sending in um, Salamone, Pyramide, Darkman. And so actually on a lot of, I think three or four of those Daughters of the Wind were grandfathered anyway, which were very lucky because That's good. Tony Serino had imported them. He's been in the business for a while, and he came up to the Clayton first to meet me, and uh, he facilitated, he brings our cigars in, but he actually said, Jeremy, I've had these before. I said, really? And he showed me some old invoices, and you realize how lucky you are. And yes, the Super Bellicoso is also one. Wow. That's fantastic, though. So, right? um, yes, but I mean, again, with FDA being wishy-washy, I'd like to have it in black and white. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but it seems that uh, some, we've got a chance of grandfathering. Good. Good. But, you know, there we are. We'll see what happens, though, you know. So it's just a waiting game, isn't it, at this point? Well, the whole of Europe. I've got, you've got the FDA. I've got uh, <laughs> each country I'm in has got its own bloody FDA. And I've got my eyes on everything. So wow. it's a real headache. I can imagine. Uh, I'm glad I just have to worry about what the FDA is going to do. And yeah. not even uh, on the level that you have to. Yeah, sure. It just affects me as a consumer. So I want to talk about Daughters of the Wind. Sure. Because you brought that up. And I love that line. It's a fantastic line. Uh, and and the, the Robusto Vitola. Oh, the Robusto, yes. <laughs> the Pony. The Pony, which has got a different band than the others. Yes. Uh, LSU Piper, one of my listeners uh, and a member of the Simply Stogies Club, wants to know if you were surprised by the popularity of that size. No. I say why. Um, we don't. It doesn't come from IGM. Um, it comes from uh, my old chap I used to work with, Don Altman Guzman, in Tobacco's de Costa Rica. And when uh, my first IPCPR last year, um, I was asking, because again, I don't know the American market so well, and a lot of the existing clients are saying, hey, what would you like me to see me make? Let's put it that way. You know, let's start from the end and come this, this direction. And a lot of them are saying, oh, you know, could you make an Atabay or a Byron, but, you know, cheaper. Because <laughs> obviously those guys do a good job. Um, and of course... You know, those are wonderful cigars which are made there, but I know the factory, obviously, it comes from. So I said, I know a lot of their tobaccos that they've got, and I said, I'm not going to make an Atabay or a Byron. Of course not. That's their blends, and they do an amazing thing. But we we come as close to it from the same stable, so to speak, because, you know, when you're stalking the tobaccos to Costa Rica, it's a fabulous fa factory in its own right, and Donald Guzman is also a legend in the area. In fact, most people, if they think of Costa Rica, as I said earlier, they think of him. Um, so I went back to him and I used to do stuff for him you know age for many a few years ago so I said hey could you kick us off a Robusto and um, we decided to make a very uh, close to our margin as far as price so we could give an entry cigar also to the Daughters of the Wind so although it's not the same blends as the others it's coming from Costa Rica anything coming from that country you like to call Daughters of the Wind part of that's wonderful stable 
you have a couple of new lines coming out with the Daughters of the Wind, right? Or yes, a couple we have, of new, course, uh, Con Resistor Lancero. Um, so that's going to be arriving. In fact, I was just on the phone with the factory this morning. And uh, it should be landing in America at the end of this week. Oh, so you'll be available through um, good old Vladder um, next week, I suppose, ready to ship out. And that's just a very, I mean, I love Lanceros. That Lancero, do you want me to tell you a little bit about it? Yes, it's please. It's an accident why it's come, really. Um, so when I was putting the blend together of the Daughters of the Wind in September, sorry, in July last year, and then, as I said, to grandfather them, to ensure it, we had to do it, have it in the American market by September. And so I'd gone down to um, the uh, Inversions Gonzalez, sorry, Inversions Gonzalez Martinez IGM factory. And I said, look, we've got to put this together. No Cuban tobacco chaps, don't fuck around. And uh, the Jose runs that factory, well, it's his Plus, on a plantation he gets some of his tobaccos from is a Cuban agricultural engineer. He doesn't smoke cigars. Never has, nor does his son, nor does his wife. But he can grow them. And uh, he can grow great tobacco. And so he gave me some completely new tobaccos. He gave me something called, he said, was the Peruvian Pinar and Peruvian Habano. And yes, I smoked it alongside the uh, Pelo de Oro, the golden hair. And I love that Peruvian Pinar. So we put that aside. And then he gave me something. Uh, they said, I got something from Dominican Republic. He says, but you don't work with Dominican tobacco. He says, you fucking hate it. <laughs> I said, oh, we've got a project going on. And I smelt it and I smoked it. And it's like sea salt and caramel. That's what it gave me. Even a retro in hell gave me this. So I called it, a, let's call it a caramello. So those two were the core for that, those cigars. So then we had some other ones, the, the, the Dominican Oscuro, but we're talking about Lancero, right? But those two tobaccos, I just wanted to see what they were like together, just aging. Plus I wanted to put the factory to a little test of can they make a Lancero and can they make it quickly? So the day before I left, I said, right, I want 50 Lanceros made and I need just to have the um, Peruvian Pinar and the Caramello, okay? Put some, you know, like a Viso Seco, chuck four tobaccos in there, two of each, and then give it a um, Costa Rican binder from Protoscal and a, a neutral um, wrapper leaf. And off I went with those, just for me to smoke, to see if they could also, so doing two things, testing the construction of, the, of that factory, because they always used to make just bigger gauge cigars for me, not a slim one. And so first place I went to was Sweden. Well, I was doing a, when I came back from, from Costa Rica and I was talking about the Grand Cafe on a podcast. And they'd say, hey, what have you got on you? I bet you got a Lancero, something strange. I said, well, we're talking about Lancero. And strange <laughs> enough, yes, here's one I'm traveling with. I said, oh, let's talk about the Grand Cafe, but smoke these. I said, oh, that one. And they said, oh, it's fucking fantastic. They said, are you going to put this in production? I said, no, no, just me to travel with. Um, next port of call a month later was um, this a wonderful in Holland. One of the second, well, the second oldest tobacco shop in the world, Hyenius. Wow. And there's a girl there called Iris. She's 25 year old, absolutely beautiful, and also total cigar tobacco nerd. She actually does the blending for Hyenius's um, pipe tobacco and also the short filler. And you see a picture of her, you said you won't believe it. You said, surely not, this is a beauty. <laughs> I mean, we are beautiful girls that smoke, but not ones which really start blending. Right. And so, 
she was making our Sabino, Daughters of the Wind. Yes, we're going to take them into Hyenas, Jeremy. Wow, wonderful. What else have you got on you? Oh, I got this uh, Lancero. <laughs> she smokes that. When are you putting it into production? I said, no, 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 we're not putting production to something to travel with. Well, Jeremy, she said, if you could get at least 20 of those, you're invited to our Christmas party. We should have for 15 high-end Dutch girls. We close Hyenius. We have a private party within Hyenius. We've got a cocktail girl, whatever, and you're going to be our James Bond guy with these cigars. So, we, so I got Jose to send some more over. So she, on the basis of that, we had 50 dropped off at IPCPR in Vegas, and we were testing them with everyone of our clients. Cigar Dojo, as you might see, said this is one of the hidden secrets. I said, oh, fuck it. We're going to put it into production. <laughs> so that is why it's in production. It was never meant to be. But uh, there you go. So that's a great story, but it leads me to my next question, which is how hands are on you, uh, are, how hands on are you, if I can talk, yeah. with, with actually blending and, and deciding what goes into production, what doesn't? Sure. Um, well, Going into production and flavors, obviously, 100% hands-on. Blending, I'd say in KBF factory, absolutely not. <laughs> what the hell? Am I going to get an engine and start to try to fix something that's not broken? Uh, Kellner Jr. is one of the great blenders. Um, you know, there's very few master blenders in his world. Uh, he wouldn't want to put himself in that level. He worked with his dad for 19 years. Um, you know, he's the one that does all the blending, but I'm the one that's going to say yay or nay with the tastes. Barring, of course, the um, uh, the Club Marava line. That's where the founder of Cigar Smoking World Championship, Marco Bilic, he's the one that has the final say on his taste for that. So, Marco, if you're tasting a Spilado, you can say thank you, Marco, for that because he has a very refined taste for it um, and he knows what he wants and he doesn't just actually bend with the wind sometimes he infuriates me but god love him you know the spalato came was blend number eight wow. so you know um so i don't blend uh but i suppose when it gets to costa rica um then i get to choose tobaccos because and then i'm putting well putting them together as far as the different primings their master blender does that but i'm choosing the tobaccos we want um but let's say i'm a novice chef given some of the best ingredients how am i going to go wrong right okay so it's cheating um so definitely i'm the producer of the film partial director i'm definitely not the cameraman gotcha. uh, that that's a perfect analogy perfect analogy you actually have uh, another daughter of the wind exclusive for small batch cigar that Correct. you guys yes. just announced yesterday uh, very limited. I think it's what, 333 boxes, yeah. the Pony Express. Tell me about that. Well, that's, um, uh, thank you, um, uh, Andrew, Dave, and all those wonderful guys in Small Batch. Um, basically, they put a trust in us because they love that Daughters of the Wind blend. At the end of last year, um, I think the owners of Small Batch Maxima said, this is one of their blends of the year. And so they, uh, and they work really close with Vlada. He does a great job with them. Um, we're all kind of pals more than anyone else. And they said, look, can you create something for us with this based upon your Daughters of the Wind blend? So I said, you know, is it sure. And what did they want? They wanted a box pressed. Well, I've never done one of those before, and nor has IGM. It's amazing how they first did it. Uh, because uh, first of all, <laughs> I think they said, we want to have a Corona Gorda, but we want like, to have a, get a 46 and then box press it. So that would make it like a bloody panatella. They said, we can't do this. <laughs> and they were, they were, basically, they used the trunk method, but they, they press it for a month and a half. Oh, wow. And it got so like, 
we were showing. It's like when we got gave gave um, the guys that. Uh, uh, small batch of the, the sort of test blends, and we showed them a bunch of this. It was like Tetris, you know, you could take some out, and they just stood. <laughs> uh, we got a great picture of Andrew looking through the box of papers. I mean, nothing like it. So we're slightly frightened about the wrapper leaf being so sharp. Is it going to crack? But uh, we've told them to let, let, let go a little bit. And basically, sm um, small batch is very clear that they wanted to have a little bit of extra strength behind it. I mean, obviously, box pressing it gives you that little bit of extra body as sure. well. Um, and boy, is it box pressed. Um, so we got a little bit of extra lajero. We It was very funny. We kind of said, here's an extra half lajero. And it's an extra whole layer. That should do him, the Cuban said. That if I can do him. And then, of course, <laughs> of course uh, the guys said, oh, we love that one. Half is like that one, half like that one. Let's put go in the middle. And we said, oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, it's taken a lot of planning, and they've just arrived. We had to get the boxes made in Dominican Republic. Um, and that uh, was an effort to get them over there because Costa Rica don't do boxes when they do. It's bloody expensive. And Nicaragua had, Nicaragua had its own problems. So. There you go. Vlad is going to be hearing from me because I want a box of both of the, the Cremella, the new one, and then, and then well, the Pony uh, Express. Well, there you go. You're going to have to speak to um, uh, uh, the Andrew boys down and, there. And Andrew and, yeah. and Co. down there. Yes. They're, they'll be hearing from me this week for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Talking about the, the Daughters of the Wind and how uh, Small Batch really, you know, loves that blend. And well, it made it's a lot it one of faith of their, in us, I have to say. We're, we're, I love that blend. I mean, and so do a lot of people that I know. And so we were all disappointed, to say the least, when we saw Half Wheels review. Uh, Which uh, one were they reviewing? Uh, it was the Daughter of the Wind. It was the Pony, I believe. The, the okay, well, the, the Pony, that's obviously coming from the different stable. Um, but, you know, everybody has their, their views. I mean, you know... Um, were they that disappointed? I remember thinking Vlad has sent to me. Uh, was it not good? <laughs> it was. It was not. It was not flattering at all. And was so, it not? No, it was not. Oh dear. Uh, it w nobody was happy with the score. I don't remember what the score was because I looked at it and went, "This is ridiculous," and threw it away. Okay. And I know that cigar smoking is subjective, but when you see things like that, and, and you see that that doesn't like one of doesn't things? like it, but they, but they're very vocal about it. Are you just move on. You're okay with it? Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. You know, if you're, you know, uh, maybe if you're an actor and you have bad, bad review, read the ones you like. <laughs> so I know, I mean, I really, I'm really. They have said they're really, going to re-review it because, really? yes. Oh, so, until they get it right? Until, hopefully no, until no, they well, get it no, right. No, yes, I mean, but, there, you know, really when it comes to cigars. And when I ask people if they like it, like tonight we're going to have an event here. People don't like it. I'm quite happy to hear from them as well. You know, there's an amazing amount of cigars out there and everyone's got their own taste. I mean, I love Indian curries, especially Goa Vindaloo, and some people might not. And and that's fair enough. They're not right. I don't, I don't know. There's nothing about right or wrong when it comes to cigars. Who was the one that said there's no such thing as a bad cigar, as a bad premium cigar? And he kind of, I hardly concur. So, yeah, I don't mind if somebody doesn't like it. All right. That's, yeah. that's if fair. everybody didn't like it, then I've got a hell of a lot to get through myself, haven't I? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know. No, that's fair. So you guys, you, you actually just opened uh, a switch gears again here. You opened a, a lounge in Estonia. Yes, yes. Tell me about that. That's have fantastic. Have you seen pictures? I have seen pictures. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, it's a labor of love, the whole thing. Um, there's a friend of mine uh, called Luke, um, Luke Dobbs. 
And I met him in England, Luke Dobbs. There you go. His dad actually was um, the right-hand man of the Beach Boys, and he used to manage all their marijuana plantations at the end. That's why I spent a bit of time inside eventually in Hawaii. But Luke is a really a wonderful man. I met him in London, um, uh, and I encouraged him to come to Estonia. Eventually he did. And Luke was somebody that was into making shoes, top-end shoes, bespoke shoes, what have you. He ended up managing Adidas in Russia. Uh, and with that money... He turned out of this around, around in Russia. So he knows his, his stuff. He, him and his friend Vaco wanted to set up an elite bespoke lounge. Bespoke suits, bespoke shoes. We got gentlemen's hairdressers. And looking at our brand, it says bespoke cigars is the one we want in there. So um, they've kind of uh, got this wonderful building. And they said, could you help decorate the lounge, put some obviously money into that? And uh, we, you know, come in as part of a team. So when you see it's not just a cigar lounge in a world UNESCO building, um, but it's obviously got gentlemen's hair cutters and ladies. One lady, there's a lady cutting hair there too. Um, and you've got the whiskey lounge, gin, champagne. Um, uh, it, it's an amazing project. And uh, yeah. So um, uh, we have, it, was only, it has been open originally. It was about three years ago. We opened it the first time. We had to shift buildings after two years because the landlord was wanted by Interpol and Putin. <laughs> Same time. He's hiding wow. in Sweden, Switzerland and he did a nasty <laughs> on us. So we decided to get the heck out. Yeah. And Luke moved everything within six weeks. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. And we've got this wonderful place where my office is. So come and visit us in Tallinn, guys. And girls, anybody who wants to come. Yeah, no, for sure. It's an amazing place. You've got four lounges in, in our beautiful little city of Tallinn. I, I am I'm definitely going to get, get over yeah, there. Yeah, well, I, if you can die, you know. And then you go to St. Petersburg, because a lot of people do the Baltic thing, you know, cruise. And we know the cigar guys in St. Petersburg. Oh, nice. Travis Igor Padan, he's got his Davidoff Lounge. <laughs> he's got his Havanos. He does, does both. He's got a little restaurant in between. So there you go. Um, so you can definitely do a cigar tour in the area. Nice. Uh, quickly, I, I, I want to know where you see Castagli cigars in 20 years. Um, hopefully they're still around. I mean, what I'd love to see in 20 years is my boy or my girl involved with managing it. It's still going to be around. I really hope so. Um, you know, uh, Kellner Jr., and he's an amazing man, really humbled me by asking me two years ago, Jeremy, what happens if you get bought? What happens to me? Because our factory is so, you know, over, you know, now, you know, sort of like, uh, uh, we're taking up half their production, I think. Wow. Uh, plus, and he says, you know, what happens to me if you get bought? And I said, oh, no, look, at you buying it. I'm trying to build a family business now. What I'd hope to see is our growth in the Middle East continue. I'd hope to see, this is what I, I just, do I see it this way? I'm telling you what I hope to see. I hope to see the old Castagli Palace with investment gone into it by one of our big backers out there. We've got some very wealthy backers to put that back to its former glory with a beautiful cigar lounge and uh, an area where young Egyptians can study their Egyptology, which was the original plan of Mubarak. Wow. To, um, you know, these are the things that I'd love to see. And who knows? Um, we are also covering our bets. You never know what happens to tobacco in the future. So we're developing an amazing line of accessories. Um, obviously not just for cigars. We're going to be probably getting into more of the clothing as well with Luke and what he's doing. We'll see where it goes. Where do you see the industry, the cigar industry, in the same amount of time? I mean, it seems yeah. like it's in like a period of upheaval right now. Well, so. 
Uh, you know, I was involved in the airline business as the first thing that I did when I left university, and it was deregulation had gone on then. You might, some of you might be old enough to remember People Express Airlines. I was involved with them, uh, opened up their Brussels station with four others, and I saw a plethora of all these airlines. And then, you know, there's blood on the floor eventually, and they get gobbled up on crash. Um, where do I see it in the near future? I see a lot of little brands disappearing. And I mean, this really makes me unhappy because you talk about the FDA in America. If that comes about, we're kind of protected because we have all these other countries who are open. And um, I think cigar smoking will always exist. Um, you know, man finds a way, funnily enough, <laughs> and we'll smoke at home if we have to, but um, we'll make our private clubs uh, because, you know, with all the regulation that's hit us, um, there's, I think, more smoking than ever before. But as far as all the wonderful brands and choice we have, I think I'll see, I believe, and I hope I'm wrong, a lot of those disappear. I hope I'm not one of them. No, I, I, I hope not, too. And I know that a lot of our listeners hope hope not as yeah. well. Out of your line, all of the lines that you have in the Castagli Cigar lines, mm -hmm. which one do you think ages will age the best? Um, the Basilica A. Uh, this has got this Boneo leaf in, 11-year-old aged. Junior always said it's going to be the ager, and it's seen that way. Uh, uh, but I think above, that's for the KBF um, cigars, Basilica A. Uh, as far as Tours of the Wind, um, well, it's going to have to be Dachman, Rabicano, Calico, Sabino, because those lend themselves to aging, they, they, those tobaccos. Um, without doubt, they all got the same blend. Some of it's a bit varied. You know, think of, think of having... Um, you know, the same, same wine in four different shaped glasses. They're all giving a little different journey, but it's essentially the same. So they should all age beautifully. Really, really beautifully. I mean, we've seen it already, the changes. We don't let a cigar out of the factory within at least six months of it being rolled because we found last year when we had to push it in for September, I mean, they came in those canisters, some of you might remember, which caused a lot of damages because we couldn't get any fucking boxes and it had to be in before just September for the FDA thing for potential grandfathering right. so some of them were almost difficult to smoke at the end because the, the, the this baking spice was so strong and bitter that the last fifth a lot of people think we just can't smoke this gave it an extra three months and then boom they're fine so you know they're aging beautifully very rich tobaccos most of the tobaccos none of you would have smoked before unless you've had a Daughters of the Wind I've mentioned those tobaccos to Reinhold Vidmeyer at Cigar Journal. He hadn't heard of any of them other than the Rapper Leaf. And that's saying something. I know Rick Rodriguez told me, he said, yeah, I've heard of um, uh, Peruvian Pinar. That's the only one I've noticed on it. So maybe other people out there have, but what I've come across, I think they're fairly unique. I want to end on a, on a fun note. Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners, Bloops, uh, says that you have shaggy feet, closed feet. You've got mm. the cottontail size, the yes. Vitola. Do you have any anything up your sleeve any tricks up your sleeve another size it's uh um well we do have something coming out next year no strange um uh, foot endings i don't think but it's going to be called the castagli um cipher and we've also got a castagli enigma coming out and that's named after my grandfather and his interesting art he did in world war ii some of you might have heard of it or not um, uh, so he used to do Morse code in some of his tapestries as a prisoner of the Germans. Oh, wow. You not heard this one? No, I haven't. Oh, just Google Castagli, fuck Hitler. You'll know what it means. <laughs> um, so we'll definitely have some Morse code on the box and the blend will be 
unannounced. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's going to be something that you can guess for yourselves. The whole mystery, enigma, and, and yeah, cipher. Exactly. I love, that all ties in together. That's fantastic. Yeah. Jeremy Castagli Cigars. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down no, with come me. come on. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, James. It's my pleasure. And, okay. Uh, all right. We'll see you. And hell, hello, everybody out there. Keep smoking. Thank you for all your support. Thanks. Bye. Once again, thank you to Jeremy Castagli for sitting down with me and having a conversation. Obviously, I was pretty excited to meet Jeremy and sit down with him and talk with him for a little bit, as Castagli cigars are some of my favorite cigars and have become a huge part of my cigar journey. Why not make Castagli cigars part of your journey as well? If you go to smallbatchcigar.com, that's smallbatchcigar.com, the link will be in the show notes. We have a coupon for 10% off any purchase with the coupon code Simply Stogies. If you enter that coupon code Simply Stogies to buy any Castagli cigar before December 1st, 2019, you will be entered into a raffle to win a Zycar cutter that has the new Castagli logo on it. This cutter is beautiful. It is in black and white. It is absolutely Gorgeous. So go to smallbatchcigar.com, purchase any Castagli, enter coupon code Simply Stogies, and be entered for that raffle. I'd like to thank everyone at Small Batch Cigar. I'd like to thank Jeremy Castagli. And I want to thank Vladis Stoyanov, who was on episode seven, for setting this up, working out the logistics so that I could spend time with Jeremy. Thank you to everyone who was involved. I hope you join me next time when I don't know what we'll be talking about, but I know it'll be Simply Stogies. Stay smoky, friends. Thank you for listening to Simply Stogies. Please rate and review Simply Stogies on iTunes. You can follow James on his cigar journey on Instagram at Simply Stogies Podcast, all one word, and on Twitter at the Twitter handle at Simply Stogies.